The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, let's talk about my vaccine, my MNRA vaccine, and how long it's going to protect me. Yeah, this is the key question, Pat, isn't it, at the moment? And uh, immunology is really working hard on this really critical question because obviously if the vaccines wane, when do we boost? Who do we boost? All those questions are very active at the moment and endless studies keep coming out. That's the, the good part. But a big study this week, very interesting study, Pat, from a US group have shown that you get really good responses out to six months if you're if you're a healthy person. Obviously, we're not talking about um, vulnerable people or, or immunodeficient people, but the general population, if you like, the mRNA vaccines are giving a very strong response out to six months post-vaccination, which is good. And what's very interesting, Pat, is that they measured, the antibodies may go down a bit and then you, your body stops making antibodies, but the cells that make them are still there, the B cells, and they become what I call memory B cells and they're waiting to, 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 for you to get infected, obviously, and then they'll make loads more antibodies should you be reinfected and those antibodies will protect you. And these B cells, they've studied those in great detail. And if anything, as, as the months go by, Pat, the B cells get stronger, which is a, a very interesting conclusion, and they're making antibodies that are even better as time goes by, if you know what I mean. It's a thing called affinity mm. maturation, which immunologists would know about. We, we've known this. The boost, the second shot makes the, anti, the B cells mature basically, and then they can make really good antibodies. And in this study, these antibodies are very good against alpha, beta and delta, which of course is the, the question. So that's, that's the good part of this. It looks as if you do see a durable response in, in the healthy community. They, they mainly looked at, um, you know, people who weren't older or didn't have underlying conditions. Yeah, and obviously we'd have to wait for J&J because that's a single shot and it doesn't have the double effect, if you like. So we'll see whether a booster is required for that to generate yep. the same kind of stuff. But more science um, required and probably on the way. That's right. Now, let's talk about boosters. You've got a fascinating uh, notion to discuss here, whereas you might not need, you know, if you're getting six doses of vaccine per vial at the moment, say from Pfizer. Yeah. If you took 20 out of it and just gave people a tiny taster as a booster, would that work? That's right. And that's a very important thing. The UK are examining this. And you've got to hand it to the UK scientists, actually. They're often at the forefront of these things. They're now halving the dose and just trying to see if the half dose will work as a full dose. Because remember, they would have picked a dose, not quite think of a number territory, but they would have picked a dose for the trials, you see. And that may not be the optimum dose. And a lower dose might be just as good. So now they're testing lower doses in people and measuring the immune response. And of course, imagine, Pat, if you could get, as you say, 20 shots out of a vial, that'd be tremendous because that would increase supply, which is the key question here, of course. And we're waiting for this data and, and freeing up more doses would be brilliant. And the other thing they're, they're saying, Pat, is a big mile stone yesterday, 25% of the world is now fully vaccinated, which is a good number to hit. That's mainly in rich countries, of course, by the way. We need to, as we've been discussing, get it out to other. But 25% now are fully vaccinated of the world's population. I mean, as an immunologist, it'd make you fall off your seat that we've achieved that in the space of, what, 10 months, 12 months or so, whatever it is, since it began in earnest. You know, 5 billion doses have been administered. They need 11 billion in total to vaccinate the world. They reckon. So, in other words, if you can double the you know, the amounts coming out of each vial, that'd be tremendous. So that's a really good study that we're going to keep an eye on. Yeah. Have they ever done that before, reducing the amount of vaccine uh, where there was a scarcity and a lot of people to protect? They have. And that's why they're doing it. Because, for example, with Ebola, 
and polio vaccination campaigns, they sometimes begin to run out. Let's say you're in Africa vaccinated against Ebola. They, they would sometimes begin to run out and they would chance half the dose to, make, to get as much out of the, the vial as possible. And it worked, you see. And same with polio, you can lower the dose. So again, there's a history of, of lowering the doses. Uh, and again, there's no reason why Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca and J&J, they could get away with half the dose, you see. So there is a precedent for this. And then the UK have said they want to donate 100 million doses over the next 12 months to the, the poorer countries through COVAX, mm-hmm. you see. And this may allow them then to get to that target much more quickly if they can lower the dose. And then other countries would follow suit, I imagine. Because if the, if the study turns out to be correct, we, we, we can, we'd all have spare vaccines even more, you know, which yeah. would speed up the I'd- whole process. I remember um, John O'Shea, uh, formerly of Goal and now retired, uh, talking about uh, in terms of aid and countries that were in trouble or had various problems like water, that Ireland should adopt a country the same size as ourselves in terms of population. And we do that. And then every other country picks another country in the world, you know, every developed country that's the same size as itself in terms of population. And it helps them out in every aspect of their uh, development There's an idea here, just to borrow from John O'Shea, that maybe we should adopt a country the same population as ours and make sure they all get vaccinated. I think it's a very good idea. As I say, it's not mine, it's John's. But I think it's a very good idea that could work to dramatically increase the vaccination rate. It could. In fact, you, you could designate a country which, say, Ireland would be helping to get their population vaccinated. Exactly. That kind of thing, couldn't you? That's a great idea. It'd be superb. Now, let's talk about Israel well ahead of the posse in terms of the start of their vaccination programme and the acceleration of it. But now they've loads and loads of cases. So what's gone wrong for them? Because it might go wrong for us. Well, again, it's very important because because there's great scientists in Israel, remember, and they're monitoring things all the time and measuring everything, you know. So the data we get from Israel is always very informative to every country, really. And as you've just said, I mean, they re- they realised Delta arrives. Uh, they reckon it was brought back from people who went on holidays because the Israelis opened up, as you may remember, and lots of people went on vacation, bring Delta back, and now the cases begin to grow. Uh, last week was double the previous week. So this is all these numbers are there now. And then remember, the fear was, well, hang on a minute. Um, we'd heard Israel was really highly vaccinated. So why would they be getting this surge a bit like us in some ways? But it turns out only slightly over half the population were fully vaccinated. So there wasn't quite as high a level of vaccination as other places. That may be one reason for this. They opened up fully very quickly, by the way. All restrictions were abolished. Uh, and that meant spread could happen, especially with Delta around, you know. But now the numbers are fascinating. So, so the serious cases are nine times higher in the unvaccinated vaccinated people than the vaccinated. So in other words, the vaccines are working there to protect against yeah. serious disease. And then in the under 60s, it's double the rate in the unvaccinated population. So in other words, get the vaccine. The evidence is very clear there that the vaccines are protecting. And look at a ninefold higher risk if you're unvaccinated, you yeah. see, which is really important. And the seriously ill patients who are unvaccinated are mostly young, healthy people whose condition deteriorated really quickly. That's right. The that's ma- the, the majority who are seriously ill are unvaccinated. So we start with that fact that that's the, that's the statistics from Israel is the first thing. And then if you're over 60 and you have comorbidities and you're unvaccinated, you're in big trouble. That will progress into severe disease, you see. So yet again, you know, the vaccination is clearly the thing. But one thing is, if you are vaccinated and you get infected and some of those did become ill... 
uh, the vaccine was given to you five months ago and that gave us the idea that maybe the vaccine's waning. So part of the evidence is in the vaccinated groups who become ill, they were, they had they'd vaccines earlier than others, you know, and, and that's why they're now starting boosting their booster campaign because you know, the evidence is there and the, the vaccine must be waning slightly. And it is waning slightly, but there's no, even though the um, study on the B cells I mentioned is a good one, there's still a little bit of waning going on, you know, slightly less antibodies. So, so still that, that data said to the Israelis, we must start giving boosters. And they began with the over 60s. Uh, they're now moving down to the over 40s, are now going to get a third shot, if you like, you see. So in other words, they've said, look, we're going to start our booster campaign based on this data. Okay, so they'll be ahead of us uh, by a few weeks, so that could inform our campaign uh, when it happens, as indeed might the UK research into the the fractional dose. Now, um, a different topic, but related in a way to uh, the MNRA vaccines, and that is a vaccine for HIV. That's right. Now, we, we discussed this before, the great hope here would be that what we've learned from the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines using RNA could be used for other vaccines. And that was always kind of one of the spin-outs from the whole COVID pandemic in a way. And now there's a big trial running with HIV and they've made an RNA vaccine to target HIV, that, that similar technology that Pfizer and Moderna have used. And if that works, you can imagine that that'd be tremendous because e- even though we can treat AIDS with, um, with drugs, of course we can with the antiretrovirals and so on, a vaccine would be a really great way to stop AIDS and you never know that this technology then may be useful for HIV and they've spent years and years trying to get vaccines for HIV but and failed. It's a very cunning virus it, it, it embeds itself into your genome you need a huge antibody response to be able to show protection you know and now we know these RNA vaccines are giving massive antibody responses so again the idea there would be let's try it against HIV so so we're going to watch that closely because it would be tremendous but if we got vaccines for AIDS we, that, that's one of the holy grails of immunology for the past 20-30 years you see so again, we might learn from COVID and apply it to a different disease. Yeah. Are there any other nasty retroviruses out there that there are know, the some. same technology could be applied to? Yeah, yeah, there's a few retroviruses lurking. HIV is the main one, of course, that uh, we recommend most of all. There's other ones as well, but HIV is the commonest. Um, people are wondering, uh, any other variants to worry about? This one says, what about the Lambda variant, which has taken a foothold in Florida, where deaths are the worst yet in the pandemic? Studies show the vaccines do not work against this variant, which originated in Peru. That's from John. That's still a variant of interest rather than concern, but it is there. It's been looked at very closely. You know, The evidence that the vaccines were failing was more lab-based, You know, using, say, blood from people who have been vaccinated was less able to neutralise it, various things like that. We don't have any evidence yet in, in, in the the real world that it's it's uh, escaping the vaccines but of course it, it is a concern but there's no doubt about it and I think as you said earlier that that's always been our concern of extra variants cropping up that could be more malign hence the need to get 11 billion people vaccinated as soon as we can. Um, Maria wants to know can the booster be used as a standalone vaccine rather than having the two initial jabs and then the booster? Well, but does that mean like one shot of the booster? It's the same. Yeah, I think she just means you get one shot rather than the other. It wouldn't be a booster if no, you hadn't had the first two yeah, shots. Yeah. So no, it's it's funny. Be your first vaccination. It's the way the immune system works. The first shot kind of gets the immune system awake. The second shot really shouts at it, you know, gets it really going. And then the third shot really drives it, you know. So in other words, each shot is ramping up all the time. 
Uh, is the increasing hospitalisation in Israel not evidence that the durability of B and T cells wanes quickly well, in the vulnerable? That's the point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there could be a few reasons for this increase. Obviously, one is it's often healthcare workers who are vaccinated six months ago, and they're more exposed in the hospitals now, so they're inclined to pick up more infections anyway. You know, that that's one other possibility. And there was a drop in. Remember, the the, the um, they went down slightly. There's no question that there's, there's a bit of waning going on, but we're talking 15, 20% waning, not huge waning, you see. And then again, they don't really know because they often just measure antibodies and not the T cells. So it's, like, it's a, quite a complicated thing to pin down. That's why um, it's still a work in progress, Pat. And the WHO have said, let's wait till the end of September before we decide to wide, use widespread boosters because we need more evidence that waning is a real problem or not, you know. But there is evidence for it. So it's kind of, a, it's very much a work in progress, as we said. Now, this is just related to you peripherally. Susan says, my daughter, a nursing student at Trinity, just received communication from the college that her classes will be online, not in person. I'm very annoyed and disappointed. Do you think this is appropriate? I don't know what's happening in your area of biochemistry. Are you live or are you Zooming? Do you know, with that, that, as far as I'm aware, they haven't put it, it sounds a bit strange now, but it's still, they're trying to, trying to figure this one out. I know there will be lots of live stuff because the ambition is to get students back in, which is essential, you know. And I reckon they're working out the logistics. So in our building, we have a massive 300-seat lecture theatre. We may put 30 students in there, say the final year, immunology, all spaced out, you know. So in other words, yeah. there, there are moves afoot to make it live. The bigger classes could be trickier because how do you fit them into a room with appropriate distancing? And maybe in the nursing, there's lots of people in that class, you see. So that could be an issue there. Can you ask Luke for his view on the Pfizer vaccine getting full approval? The process has been criticised for not including at least one year of data and no control group after Pfizer offered the product to the placebo participants before the trials were completed. Does it in any way take away from the validation of the results from the trials? No, I mean, it's not a bad point, actually. You see, remember, a good analogy I've read this morning is we're building the plane as we fly here with this one, remember, because this is an emergency and we're trying, the, the, the regulatory bodies are trying trying to respond all the time and, and clearly got emergency use first of all and, and that was we use widely we now have so much data from Pfizer given the number of billions now that are vaccinated you know and eventually then it gets full approval and that, that was fully justified based on the real world data whatever about the trials you see so and what, what full approval means is various things it's, it's sort of, it, it can mean you can mandate now legally in America insist on vaccination if it's fully approved whereas the emergency use there could have been legal issues that, that, that's one issue that comes up when you get full approval but I think the full approval was fully justified with that one. Uh, can you ask Luke about vaccination and autoimmune conditions? Uh, I'm not on immunosuppressants. Well, the thing, if you're, if you're not on immune disease, you may be on an immunosuppressant and that will limit the vaccine and it looks like they'll be the first to get boosters, which makes perfect sense, remember, because if you're slightly uh, immunodeficient because you're on a medication, then you're going to, um, you know, you'd be lining up to get the third shot to make sure the vaccine is strong, you know. But in terms of the vaccines affecting auto, there's no evidence that the vaccines make autoimmune diseases worse, thankfully. They would have looked that closely because obviously you're activating the immune system. So there was a kind of a, you know, there was something that maybe that would exacerbate certain autoimmune diseases, but there's no evidence for that. A final question, weird. What about Romania? No cases, no deaths and closing vaccination centres. Same all over Eastern Europe. Is that so? I don't know. I mean, again, you'd want to look at the data, wouldn't you, and see where the data is coming from and how it's being analysed and the source of the data. And, and you know, I mean, obviously, say Israel is the one we look at because they've, they've got the most integrity in terms of data. So you never know. I'm not sure what's happening in Romania. All right. Luke, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. 